welcome to Wood Talk for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now here are three guys who take big pieces of wood and make them smaller. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. All right, it's episode 213, a very special bonus episode, trying something different here. Uh, You know, more wood talk in your life, it's got to be a good thing, I hope. Uh, On today's show, we're talking about Project Creep. We've got a single question that we'll share with you, and if you're not familiar with the concept of Project Creep, uh, you're probably not not alone. So let's we're just going to get right to the email soon and figure what figure out what it's all about. Uh, but it is a user, uh, I guess, a listener question. Uh, quick thing about our sponsors here: What do we have? Bruso. Got to do the Bruso commercial. Bruso has been making high precision hardware here in the U.S. for over 20 years. When you spend weeks crafting the perfect box or cabinet, why would you use anything else but the highest quality hardware? The entire line is available in brass and stainless steel at brusso.com. And while you're there, be sure to check out the new line of knife hinge installation templates. As a special offer to Wood Talk listeners, use the code WOODTALK at checkout for 10% off. All right, so let's get right into it, guys. We've got a question here from Fiddler. Is he, is he a Fiddler? Is that really his name? I don't know. Maybe he's on the roof? I hope not. It could be dangerous. Uh, it could be. I think be. we're just going to call him a fiddler. Fiddler. Just, he's just a fiddler. so that we can say we had a fiddler. All right. You know, so, and, and actually, truthfully, I don't know if the fiddler is male or female, uh, but judging from our audience, I'm going to assume it's male. There we go. Okay. He says, how bad does project creep affect you? The boss wife. Oh, well, I guess I can't say it's a male either. <laughs> it's 2015. You don't, yeah, you just I don't mean, know. Easily. It could either way. All right. Anyway, the boss Let's wife. Let's not get hung up on the uh, gender. <laughs> what is my problem today? All right. The boss wife recently commissioned me to build a small table to go over a dog crate. Easy $40 project till I thought, hmm, tapered legs would be cool. And then face frame hickory splines against the red oak would be cool. Next thing I know, I'm buying $130 of hickory from Bell Forest. Uh, he says, oh, plug, to frame the top. I find myself falling down this rabbit hole more often than not. Some may say it's artistic, but I'm over $100 into a $40 project, and I'm still thinking about doing an inlay in the ply. Uh, what say the three wise men on this issue? Oh, good. When are they going to be on? I don't know. I think they're coming in next. <laughs> They'll be our special guests <laughs> today. Can we just wait and see what they say first? <laughs> I think that's a good idea. Um, this is interesting. So I give. I mean, this is the first time we're kind of reading this and giving it thought. We're sort of winging the question a little bit here, but it's a good discussion point. Now, when I design my pieces, I do have this problem, and I, for me, because I guess it's a business expense, and I do have a lot of material sitting around. I don't think too much about the cost, but I do think about the workload that I'm like committing myself to. So as I design a project, I go, oh my gosh, this would be great if I could do this. And I start adding these things in only to, to look back at it, you know, stand back and look at what I've created. And I'm like, whoa, there's, there's going to be a lot of time invested in doing, you know, sliding dovetails here when I could really just get away with, you know, maybe some sort of stub mortise and tenon. Do I need that for my web frames? Um, and I kind of look at the whole thing and evaluate it on that level. And I do this all the time. So again, it's not about money. It's about me wanting to do the absolute best work I can do in all aspects of the project. And I guess if you apply that materials to, to materials and hardware, that can get really expensive really fast. If you go, well, why am I using this when I should just be using the best stuff? You know, so is this something you guys run into? Yes. Um, <laughs> in, in some of it, similar to what you said, Mark, because it is it, everything I do in the shop is a business. So it's like, eh, I, although the whole tax deductible thing is kind of silly because it's like, yes, it's tax deductible, but I still had to have money. It's still first, your money. You know, <laughs> just because I can deduct it doesn't mean it was free at the outset. Right. Right. Um, but for me, um, 
I, I have a lot of lumber and I have a lot of access to lumber um, and I have a lot of access to cheap lumber at the same time. So I will tend to really fall down the rabbit hole thinking, oh, I could build this out of, you know, some species and I could add this in layer, that in layer. I could, I could really do it upright if I use this lumber or this lumber. And, and I don't have that in my shed or in the shop. So I'll go and get the lumber. And that really gets me in trouble because I should really just go out and use some of the stuff that I already have. And would the project be that much different if I use cherry instead of teak? Um, probably not. Um, and that it's really where I get in trouble going and buying extra lumber when I really don't need it yeah. um, and could be built out of, out of something else. Sure. Um, from a time perspective, that one gets me as well because building it all entirely by hand you know, committing to milling another board is a major commitment for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just run it over the joiner, run it through the planer, although I use my planer a lot more these days. It's still some significant amount of, of additional work. And if I'm, say, doing inlay or something like that, now I've got to saw that piece down by hand to something close to inlay, either that or I'm planing it for three hours to get it down to an eighth of an inch thick. So yeah, I think that causes me to edit it more than anything else. What about you? In the Vanderlis household, it tends to be uh, the wife actually. uh, Samantha's the one that always has the project creep problem because she'll look at the project and go, well, what about that wood over there? And what if we went with this? Remember that one time you dragged me into the store? There was this one wood and it was this color. And I'm like, yeah, and that one board foot of... uh, Whatever it was that you were looking at also cost $100 for a board foot. So no, because uh, <laughs> we were supposed to make this inexpensive. Yeah. Where I get hung up is, when it comes to like the whole creep idea is just simply the design itself. Suddenly I do actually have these moments where I do want to try like a specific joinery uh, technique or something like that. So my initial design going into it is probably super, super complicated. And then I make it less complicated. But then once I start – doing the the whole build process itself that's something i want to go back to even more complicated and, you know so i gotta like force myself to dial it down so then in all honesty being completely honest with yourself do you always do your best work in the sense that like like i just said that if like you could do a sliding dovetail there but you know that a, a standard mortise and tenon joint would work for that particular application um, but you think that the dovetail would be classier. It would be better. It might make the piece go a little more toward that uh, side of the scale that like we mentioned a couple episodes ago about fine woodworking. It would right. definitely be more into the area of fine woodworking. So do you always do your best work or do you find yourself dialing back a little bit? Uh, Matt, you go first. Uh, for, for sure, I start out with the best intentions. Uh, and then somewhere at some point, since uh, depending on what time of day it is and how f- infrequently I can get into the shop, I will start dialing it back. And it's like, well, you know what? That's an awesome joint, but this joinery is much more realistic for me today. Yeah. Yeah. And I would guess at some point experience can play into this where um, you kind of – you kind of pinpoint the things where you're going to get the biggest dividends. So mm-hmm. if it's something that people, maybe it's a, just the fact that they can see it. You know, if people are going to see it, that might make you want to show off a little bit. Whereas a completely hidden joint, if it takes less time to do it a, a slightly easier way, then you might think, why bother? Because you, you have that experience to know that the one is going to reap more rewards than the other. Well, and this is definitely one of those situations where a, a little bit of knowledge is de- deadly. Yeah, because yeah, you see huh. some of these things and you you really want to, you know, kind of show your mustard. You know, like you you know how to do these things. You can totally pull this stuff off. 
And uh, maybe it's more for you because we definitely have a lot of uh, projects uh, or, or joinery that nobody is ever going to see it unless we point it out. And even then, I think they humor us when we point these things out. So, yeah, it, it's definitely one of those things that – and I often wonder – kind of like the Schwarz effect almost, like mm-hmm. when a certain joinery technique is talked about in a magazine, uh, if suddenly there's like a rash of those happening in <laughs> yeah. wood shops all over the place. Right, right. Well, how about the purpose of the project? Now, from Fiddler's example here, there's a lot of times where I've done that, where it, this is really serving a very purposeful, like it, like in this case, a cover for a dog crate. You know, or something to a small table to go over a dog crate. There's a very specific purpose, so you kind of have to reel it in there a little bit too, because it's it's not it's a utilitarian item that's getting a job done. It doesn't necessarily need to be this absolutely beautiful, you know, groundbreaking piece of work. So I could see why, you know, he's fighting that instinct uh, to do that. So I, I mean, if you were to give Fiddler some advice, and I'll, I'll I'll go first. Like for me, I would say, especially if it's something that is that kind of utilitarian type item, um, think about maybe doing some of the inlay and stuff on your next project. You know, if you don't think that this one is worth it, but you're clearly anxious to push your skills and go to the next level, um, maybe this isn't the project to do it on. Get this project done, get a nice utilitarian item out of it, and then move on to the next one. On the next one, maybe it's this classy cabinet that's going to be in the middle of your living room and you want everybody to see your awesome inlay work. You know, that that might be the better place to put some of those, um, you know, higher priced materials and effort into. Right. One way I look at that, this is uh, something along the lines of that. But I immediately I start thinking of like prototype. I never build prototypes, <laughs> and oftentimes yeah. I wish I did. So this might be a great opportunity to essentially build a prototype and whether that prototype is playing with that joinery or something like that. But yeah, it's utilitarian. So don't go too crazy on it. Save the crazy for where crazy is going to look awesome. <laughs> yeah. You know, Mark's got a, a good point in thinking about the next project because I think where where this gets us is we do have a lot of exposure to a lot of these cool techniques and and you know oh, this inlay look cool and and green and green is the one that does it for me because there's some real um, distinctive green and green features mm-hmm. but they were distinctive to that specific house you know there are Thorson details and there are blacker house details and there are gamble house details and a lot of times you don't see gamble house details on Thorson furniture you know, there are a few things that are that are typical amongst all green and green furniture, but you get people and they're like, oh, that's really cool. I really love that indent. And it shows up in everything now, you know, and then, oh, well, there's the cloud lifts and then the ebony plugs and they get integrated in everything. And you step back and you go, man, that looks busy um, because we're so um, interested in, in trying all these techniques. And what we need to do is think, OK, I'll try this one technique on this piece And then I can try this other technique on the next piece. You know, it's not like this piece that I'm building right now is going to be the last one that I build. Um, And I think we tend to fall into that trap. You know, oh, well, if I'm going to do this, yeah, I might as well add this and this and this. And then you end up with the dog crate table that should be in the Smithsonian. (laughs) Right, right. Well, and I'm thinking the the analogy here that that comes to mind is video editing for me. Uh, Like when I first Mm. learned how to edit video, it's like, oh my gosh, I could do a voiceover. I could do these you know, great transitions and look at this title thing I can do. And you go nuts. And in the end, just Use because- a different transition between every clip. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's like, you look at it afterwards and you go, oh my gosh, this is crap. Like just because I can doesn't mean I should. 
Uh, and I think that same thing can totally apply uh, to furniture as you increase your skills and you got your little toolbox of tricks. If you pull them all out on every project, it's just too much. You know, it's, it's definitely a less is more when it comes to those embellishments. Well, I think it also is indicative of a design on the fly idea. Um, And believe me, I've done this as much as anybody else where, you know, if you actually sit down beforehead and you draw out pencil, paper, sketch up, whatever you use, draw out what it is you're going to make. And then if you start drawing in, say, the inlay and the tapered legs and the visible splines and you start to really get a feel for exactly how much work this is going to be and then how much is going on, like what is going to draw the eye. This is, we're getting back into design at this point, but, mm-hmm. um, these little inlays, these little contrasting woods, um, George Walker would call them punctuation points. They're things that, that draw attention that separate two different themes. Well, if you've got so much punctuation, there's no sentence left over. Yeah. Mixing metaphors in a huge way right now, but <laughs> still, I, I think that if you, um, if you build the table and I think, okay, now I'm going to taper the legs. Okay. That looks cool. Now I'm going to add the inlay. That looks cool. And you haven't actually all at once drawn everything out or, or looked at what it would look like. You add all these things and you're kind of hyper-focused on that, that one top where you're going to put the inlay and not all the other stuff you've done. Um, that is going to get you in trouble. Yeah, so no take doubt. a step back and look at the whole piece that will probably help control some of that creep. Sure. Yeah, good advice. Yeah, leave the creep for just the the glue. Don't get into all this other stuff. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, Fiddler, hopefully that uh, gives you a little bit of perspective. I don't know that we helped so much as kind of commiserated with you. It happens. And most importantly, you're not alone. Yeah. (laughs) It it happens to all of us, and uh, it's perfectly normal. And, uh, but if it happens for more than four hours, go see a doctor. Absolutely. That stuff could be scary. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, honestly, I think it's something that over time, if you are really trying to get better and you're trying to learn as you go and you're uh, asking for advice from other people, some of these things, they just work themselves out over time. And you'll look at a piece that you made five years ago and say, dude, that was a little too much. Maybe I, you know, like, like we talked about in past shows, uh, last show, Matt mentioned going back to his in-laws place and looking at his old furniture and you ask yourself, what was I thinking? Um, that in hindsight, that stuff starts to become more and more obvious as you become a little bit more, uh, careful about the details you include. And I think it kind of just resolves itself over time. Absolutely. I don't know. any woodworker actually regrets buying wood. You know, he's talking about how he's now $130 in a hickory bell forest and yeah maybe that was what you were doing for this project but you'll use it eventually right yeah it's not going to go to you waste <laughs> don't, don't regret buying the wool it may hurt <laughs> yeah. the bank account initially but eventually you'll find a use for that cool all right well matt how about you give them that contact info and we'll get out of here all right hey folks do you have a comment question or topic suggestion you have several different ways to contact us leave a voicemail on skype our username is woodtalk online call our voicemail line at 623-242-5180 Email us at kickba- kickback kick, at woodtalkshow.com. Kick butt? Leave us a, kick, yeah, kickbutt at woodtalkshow.com. Can't guarantee we'll get the email, but it'll be a lot of fun to watch you get it bounced back. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can leave a comment on our Wood Talk Facebook page. And if you're looking for the show notes or downloads from today's show or previous episodes, you're going to find those over at woodtalkshow.com. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next time. See, See you later. later.